you're either you're either on the bus or you're off the bus. Welcome aboard. This is episode 20, a milestone episode of Riding the Bus, the official Iowa Wild podcast presented by Explore Minnesota. Ben Gislason joined by a remote in Beantown, Joey Goldstein, fresh off of a very successful AHL awards and very successful AHL league meetings. You've almost gone coast to coast. You were down in Tucson and some very hot weather, as I know you and I were texting about. Now you're back in Boston getting some off time, but cut some time for us here today. Uh, Joey, great to be uh, with you as always, even though uh, for the first time we're doing this via telecommunications as opposed to you sitting right next to me here in the wild locker room. Yeah, it has been uh, a lot, uh, the two coasts thing. I'm tired. I'll tell you, I'm tired. <laughs> I've had the the last week has been uh, – uh just busy right we were in tucson for for league meetings so we got to tucson uh late late tuesday night uh which in, included a <laughs> i'm just gonna fill you guys in on on our travel because it was it was an adventure we flew from des moines to denver on tuesday and then denver to tucson we were delayed leaving des moines we landed in denver it had to have been three minutes before our flight was taking off to Tucson and there were no other flights out. We would have been in Denver for the night. Um, and so I was Sophie McGovern and I, we were the ones sitting closest to the front of the plane. We all kind of looked, everybody kind of looked around and was like, someone's going to have to run and get to the gate. I wasn't going to make Sophie run. So I did it. I hate running, not in shape, running at altitude, sprinting down the terminal, to get to the gate we finally get there and i'm i'm i got my bag i'm huffing and puffing and as i'm running we heard an announcement and it was like if you're just landing in from des moines and heading on the plane to tucson we need you at the gate now as quickly but as safely as possible and i'm just sprinting <laughs> sprinting screw the moving walkways i'm just going and i finally get there and i'm trying to talk to the gate attendant and i can't talk I'm too winded. No words are coming out of my mouth. So I finally collect myself. And I said, I'm here. Did we miss it? She says, no. I said, I have about seven others who are behind me also trying to get here. Will you hold it? And she was like, yeah, they got three minutes. So I'm texting everybody. They're all sprinting. Sure enough, we all get on the plane. We get there. But uh, so we got, got into Tucson late. Wednesday, Thursday meetings. Friday, we left. And then we landed in Des Moines probably around nine, nine o'clock or so on Friday. I quickly, quickly packed up my things, went to sleep, woke up the next day, eight o'clock, got in the car with my dog and drove 12 hours to Buffalo, stayed in Buffalo, woke up Sunday, got up, drove here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just been craziness. So what cool. a harrowing story. I have so many I have so many ways I could respond to this. One, welcome to team services. Um, yeah. Two, I have not as actually not as a team services director, but I've been in that exact airport, maybe running the exact same path you ran, and so I it's know. Not fun. I, and the altitude, I know that exact path. I had to do it trying to get to the NHL draft when I was covering it for the USHL in 2019, going to Vancouver. I think I had 39 minutes in between my. Uh, my connecting flights and a plane got delayed out of Des Moines. 
And so booking it through, and I remember, and this was, this was, I was 26 at the time. So I felt like I was in very good shape. And I remember about halfway through having to stop and I'm like, what's wrong? Like, I thought I was in pretty good shape here. And then it dawned on me, the altitude's a very real thing. Cause I remember having that exact same experience and just going, I might not make it. I might have to sit and just miss my flight because I feel like I'm gonna, I was starting to get hazy. I was running through there. I've been exactly where you were at with that in that airport. It's nuts. Yeah. The altitude, that, that, that didn't even click with us until we were all on a plane. Like, oh, my God. Like, that was, mm-hmm. that was crazy. And, and I am – I mean, I sent it to the, our group chat with everybody who was on the plane. I was like, you guys all saw my scouting report for floor hockey. One of the things was specifically not fast. <laughs> so, um, it was, but I ran, I had to run the whole way. The only time I stopped is when, uh, an old man and his daughter cut me off, uh, and then I was just right back into it. So I didn't think I was going to make it either. I just, yeah, it was, it was a lot. I don't recommend it, but Hey, that's traveling, right? It happens. It is travel it and put that onto the mantle of marketing director, that really showcases why your marketing department put the drum roll in was the 2023 American hockey league marketing team of the year, the Iowa wild were, and uh, what a great award to win an incredible accomplishment for so many reasons. And uh, you know, Joey, I throw a lot of shade at you because we have fun shtick on here, but let me just also speak candidly for a moment and saying, what you do, the way you lead, the creativity that you have. And this is all shared by your staff as well up there. Um, it's a wonderful staff. There are wonderful people. You're a wonderful leader. And a big congratulations to you guys and all the work that you put in and the hours that you put in and the airports that you've run through uh, to get this accolade because it's so well-deserved. And uh, a big congratulations to you guys because it's just uh, what an achievement and, and what a great crew that, that got you guys across the finish line. Yeah, no, thanks. It's, it's, uh, it was really cool. I mean, obviously this is, we go to league meetings and they give out a bunch of awards. There's a lot of, um, you know, ticket sales and corporate partnership awards and having to meet certain thresholds and certain criteria. And, and they give out some individual awards for, you know, ticket sales and, and, you know, for FSC sales and group sales, individual reps will win things. So like the Western conference has top reps, you have rookie of the year, like all those kinds of things. And then there's these other, these team awards that, we nominate for and and they're they're big comprehensive like this is what we do this is why we deserve it type of thing and we put in for a lot of different things this year and and so granted we win marketing department of the year but there were a lot of other things that i think we could have won for um and we we had a really good case for merchandise department of the year that unfortunately didn't go our way but um kelsey does a phenomenal job on the merchandise side we did some great things on the corporate side and and game ops and social media but it was nice to come home with this one you, you come it's it's nice to win those benchmark awards but it's also nice to come home with the crystal right you want that etched crystal piece and, and that's kind of what we hope for so being able to come home with that but also for an award that encompasses all those things that i just mentioned like in our marketing department of the year we mentioned the merchandise work we mentioned uh what you and alec do on the pr side we mentioned social media and game ops and everything that comes together as a department and on top of which we went over uh, two or three episodes ago all the different milestones and markers we hit as a business a lot of those revolve around the marketing side right so 
it's it was really cool the minute they started reading off like which team won and like why we all kind of had this like everybody kind of looked at each other kind of moment and i'll be honest with you i don't remember listening to all that was said um i was just kind of we were just kind of like freaking out at the table and then we were sitting just the way that it worked out where you had to get onto the stage to accept the award was on the opposite corner of the room for where we were at so they announced it and then i awkwardly just kind of had to walk around the perimeter of the room just in silence to go get it i tried to crack a joke that only like the back one back corner of the room heard nice. it was just it was yeah it was weird but uh no it was it's it was it was really cool to win and and i just you know it's it's a true team effort kind of thing because like and i i've said this on my linkedin post whatever like yes i am the one leading this marketing ship and i'm kind of the one helping steer it in the right direction but it's not moving if you don't have everybody else helping out you know with Joe Picardi on the community side and everything that we do with our community programs, events, and crash with Sophie McGovern helping put together all of our events, whether it's a season ticket holder events, fundraising event, our theme nights, our promotions, that plays a huge part. Dylan Thomas with everything we do in game, all that fun and excitement that everybody comes to know night in, night out. Gracie guys who joined us halfway through the year on a, in a part-time role while she was still in school, being able to then, you know, come into a full-time job of contributing on all of our emails, which we, we know we send a lot of, um, but all that helps move the needle. Travis Green, who does all of our graphics work, so all the very cool graphics you see, this awesome logo for our podcast uh, could not have been done without Travis. You've got Jess Dunham, who does all of our social work, which I think is phenomenal. It's fun. It's witty. It's engaging. It's, it's exciting. If you want, uh, you know, a thread on why, which Taylor Swift albums represent mm, our players. That was great. She's got it covered. You know what I mean? So there's that. There's Marquise, who's not in our office every day, but he's a massive piece to what we do, putting together all of our videos at a very high level. I think when you look around the league as a whole and everybody's video production, I think ours is up there as some of the best, if not the best. And then you've the 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 other sides of it that I don't think get the same love because technically it's not the marketing department, but what you and Alec do on the PR side is just as important to what we do because you're helping get the word out. You guys are involved in all of our brainstorm meetings and, and how can we do different things. So like it's a true team effort across the board to have everybody involved and everybody included and playing a, a big role in what we do. So um, couldn't have been done without all those people. Couldn't have been done without the rest of the staff, honestly. But yeah, that's really meetings. But I think this is the first time we've won this marketing department of the year one. So that's certainly something that I'm excited about and hopefully something we can continue to build on going forward. Well, I, I certainly appreciate uh, you lumping me in with that group. I would give Alec much more aplomb and praise for his contributions on that. Mine was much more of a pedestrian compared to the drivers that all those people that you mentioned are on the marketing side. But, um, you know, like I said, uh, it was, it was something that certainly made my evening when that text came across. I think Alec sent me a picture of the crystal and, uh, that was really exciting. Mm -hmm. So, um, a big shout out to everybody who had a hand in that end of the organization as a whole, because there are other people that didn't get named in that, in that, wonderful contribution and attribution that you just gave to that award that played hands in it too. It's, it's a, it is a team award as much as it is focused on you and the marketing department. Um, there are a lot of hands that had an oar uh, on getting that done. Um, so a big, a big congratulations to the club and, and to you guys. 
Yeah. I mean, everybody has a hand in it, right? I mean, we, we brainstorm at the beginning of the summer and we talk about these theme nights and promotions and things we want to get excited about. And we're bringing everybody in on that, whether your job is to sell tickets or corporate partnerships, or, or maybe you're, you're, you're Kelsey selling merch or you're Lisa doing, you know, ticket operations. Everybody's involved in that meeting. Everybody's got a hand in the planning process of what we want to do. It's then on once we get all those good ideas from everybody, it's some of the marketing group to say, all right, how can we continue to bring these to life and then start working with the others to help round them out. So yeah, everybody's got a hand in it, whether they think they do or they don't, everybody's got a hand in it. And everybody who is a part of this award should be very, very proud of it because it's, it's a huge deal and it's a huge, uh, huge acknowledgement. Walks us well into setting up this episode, uh, Joey, because we're actually going to uh, have Marquise get, in front of the camera uh, later on our episode, we're going to start our staff spotlights with uh, period three on this podcast. Uh, but we also have someone who loves the bright lights, who loves the camera, who loves to show off in the most endearing of ways. Uh, Adam Beckman, who is a long awaited guest. And it was so fun that at the end of our recording with him, which our fans will get to shortly, he even said, I was waiting to get on here, guys. I wanted to be on here. And I was wondering <laughs> what, what the deal was. You guys didn't like me or what um, the unfortunate side of our podcast is, especially during the season, we don't get to roll Stop. through as many people as we would like. He certainly was on a short list. But I mean, considering we're on episode 20, and we've been doing this now for over a year, that just shows we don't get to put out as many episodes as if we had our druthers. Maybe we'd try to do it once a week or every other week. But um, nonetheless, an, as enjoyable of a chat, maybe more enjoyable of a chat than even we speculated we might have when we talked about it at the end of the other week's episode with Damon Hunt. We were both excited about it, and boy, did he deliver. We got to see that charming, exuberant joy-filled Adam Beckman that we all hoped we would see on the podcast because we get the pleasure of seeing him down here in the locker room during the season every day. Yeah, I mean, you you brought it up, and it's it's a uh, there's kind of so there's like two sides to Bex, right? There's like you had mentioned, there's the there's the loud, rambunctious, happy-go-lucky side, but there's also the the I mean business, and I know exactly what my job is, what I'm here to do, and what I want to accomplish side of him too, and we saw both of those. Um, and it, it's just a roller coaster, right? You saw it here. It just kind of goes up and down and it weaves in and out, but like, uh, you don't change that for the world. That's, that's who he is, who he is the core. And I think that's a huge piece for like our locker room dynamic is to have somebody like that. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a great conversation. He obviously had a lot of fun with it and I'm sorry we couldn't get him on sooner, <laughs> but we wanted to, we keep, I mean, if you listen to all 19 episodes before this, it was like, man, we got to get, yeah, we got to get Bex on here soon. We got to talk to him. We got to get him on here. It just one reason or another just kept getting pushed off. But we knew when you and I sat down and we said, who do we want to bring on at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of the summer? Like who are our guests? He was the first guy on my list because we kept pushing it off. So like, I know he was somebody we've talked about it. We just, he was somebody we had to get on here, so I'm glad we were able to make that happen. So authentic, so genuine. Adam Beckman is Adam Beckman, no matter where you're talking to him, who you're talking to him. Uh, just can't speak highly enough about Adam as a person and as a player, and we get into that as well, the, the huge uptick he had 
as a guy who came in as, as an award-winning goal scorer in the WHL and then scored 11 times in his first full pro season, people were going, where's the scoring? Well, uh, 24 goals, and I think it was 58 games last year. He didn't get to play a full season, partially because of some call-ups in Minnesota, partially because he was injured at the end of the year. Um, this guy can score. He's a great scorer. We get into that, too. So um, a great chat with Adam. We're getting there, but before we uh, head into period two, um, some business to attend to, some news that came out uh, recently regarding what will be an extremely different-looking hockey operations staff down here in the Iowa Wild locker room. The first announcement of what will be many to happen throughout the course of this offseason because there are a lot of new faces. Obviously, Brett McLean, the new head coach, that's the big one, but now the pieces will start to come in under him. Video coach Ray Sylvester uh, joining the Iowa Wild from the Sioux Falls Stampede. Alumni also Jess Dunham, uh, the award-winning Jess Dunham. And Sophie, and and, Sophie and McGovern. Sophie McGovern. We got a little pipeline. Yep. We got a little pipeline running from the Sioux Falls Stampede. It's kind of it's, it's funny how that works. Well, but, yeah, and pretty cool. That's a great program to draw from. I am a USHL alum, not a, a, a Sioux Falls Stampede alum. I came out of the Des Moines Buccaneers program um, as a broadcaster there. But Sioux Falls is arguably, if not the class of that league, their game presentation, they win championships, they produce NHLers. That's a high-end program, so I expect Ray to be no less than that high-end. And then Brandon Schroeder, uh, assistant equipment manager, will be joining Richard Shaky Krause, who's back for another year on the equipment side, and, and he joins the organization from the Flint Firebirds in the Ontario Hockey League. I'm looking forward to talking to him because the building the Flint Firebirds play in was the building I played in in the North American Hockey League when the Michigan Warriors were there. I've been told the building has been much renovated since I was there, though I loved playing in that building. We didn't get a lot of fans. I think the Firebirds get a lot of fans. The Michigan Warriors marketing department did not win North American Hockey League uh, marketing department of the year uh, when I was there, but uh, and they're now a defunct team, so I can speak about that. But uh, nonetheless, excited to have Brandon and Ray on board and, Boy, what will just be a completely different looking uh, room down here. And it's funny how quickly, if you stay around a, a minor league team enough, you quickly become one of the longest tenured people on the hockey ops side. It's Brett McLean has three years as well. They were, aren't sequential. He's coming back for his technical fourth year with the Wild. You've got Richard Shaky Krause uh, going on, I believe, year five or six, and then myself going on year four. Um, so it's funny how that can all of a sudden change on you pretty quick. It's why I'm growing the beard. I really want to embrace that grizzled veteran look yeah. uh, on the hockey yeah. operations side. And yeah. Richard Bachman, of no, course, too, has been here for going on four years now, too. Yeah, it's 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 an exciting time, and it's it's almost like uh, you're a little anxious because, like, you just I just want it to be done so we know who we've got, and mm. you can kind of you know you want to meet everybody and everything. And it's going to be fun to see it progress i'm excited for those announcements to come along with just you know with free agency coming up and the draft like i want to see start to kind of hypothetically start piecing together in your head you know all right this is what our roster could look like this is who's going to be here and i'm just excited to like have it over with and, and have it out of the way just because it's that the sitting and waiting that that anxiousness it's it can kind of eat at you a little bit it's it'll be nice once it's done it's that sigh of relief not like it's a sigh of relief that it's not going to happen. It's like those things are going to happen, but it's just, it'll be nice to be able to just like, all right, now we can, that next chapter of the off season's out of the way. Now we can focus on, you know, prospect showcase, training camp, 
starting hockey here in Des Moines. July is a fun month. Uh, we talk about the doldrums of May and June. July, it really well it kicks off with the draft, which will be uh, this week. So that's coming up to bookend June, and then that really is the kick point to development camp coming up uh, after the 4th of July, where you get to see not only – those players that will be drafted, likely many of them will, will come from the 2023 NHL draft, will come to development camp from there. Uh, but you're going to get to see some of these prospects now that we're likely going to see in Des Moines, the Carson Lamboses, uh, the David Spachecks. Uh, we'll get to see a, a sample size of what does Damon Hunt look like now, Simon Johansson, Ryan O'Rourke, some of these guys coming back for year two pro. You'll see the evolution of these players now. What have they done in the first half of the offseason? Are they bigger? Are they faster? Are they stronger? They'll still have the second half of the offseason to continue to build on that. So that's exciting. Free agency, as you mentioned, there will likely be some more announcements coming towards what are the assistant coaches going to look like down here. I'm told they're definitely closing in on that, and I was told by Brett McLean, they were overjoyed by the high level of coaches that are applying, the character. This is a coveted position to get. This isn't just, it's a stepping stone, yes, but this isn't just a stopgap for, for people. They know what the Iowa Wild is as an organization. They know the history of it. But even more importantly, they know the trajectory of where this place is going and the prospect pool that they'll get to work with, too, to boot, coming with it. So um, you nailed it. An exciting month coming ahead in the month of July. And with that, let's get to an exciting uh, interview with Adam Beckman. Uh, just a wonderful chat with a wonderful young man who I think is going to make a very serious bid for the Minnesota Wild this year. Without any further ado, he scored 24 goals for the Iowa Wild last season, second only to Sammy Walker, who scored 27. The authentic, the genuine, the smiles, the laughter, the tongue out, Adam Beckman. On our way from period one to period two here on episode 20 of Riding the Bus, the official Iowa Wild podcast. It's time for what everybody's been waiting for. Let's check in with one of the top scorers in the Iowa Wild last season, Adam Beckman. But as we've been doing this summer, before we get there, uh, Joey Goldstein, you do have uh, a little bit of bill paying to help us do here, don't you? Yeah, just, just routine, right? Got to pay the bills, got to do what we got to do to keep the lights on. When, uh, when it comes to family fun, Minnesota is second to none. New kid-friendly attractions open every year, joining an already impressive roster of museums, amusement parks, zoos, and more that cater to kids by making history, science, nature, and culture fun for the whole family. Plan your dream trip at exploreminnesota.com. Could not have picked a better segue into our guest today because – one of the most kid-like personalities, and by that I mean energetic, upbeat, always smiling. Hockey is fun to Adam Beckman, and he's with us here today joining us uh, from out in Western Canada. Adam, as we always do, bus stories, a great bus story. You've spent a lot of time on the bus, not only with the Iowa Wild, but I know the Western Hockey League where you shined with uh, Spokane is a major bus league. There's some incredible journeys you guys make in the WHL, but when I say best bus story that Adam Beckman can think of, what comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I definitely spent a lot of time on the bus. I'd like to know the percentage of my life that I've been on a bus but I don't know if you the, want to know that I, Adam yeah <laughs> yeah I think, uh, I think the funniest story is just like this year 
I can't remember exactly where we were coming back from. Um, it might have been Grand Rapids. And we were on the back of the bus playing cards or whatever. And there's like seven of us that usually play for the most part. And it was like, it, Grand Rapids is what, I don't think it's like seven hours or yeah. give or take. If, and if, we're, if, Jeff's, and, if Jeff's really driving it fast, yeah. which, that thing's got a governor on it. So it's probably a little more like eight or nine. Yeah, like eight or nine. And and I think we, we I don't know if we gain an hour or lose an hour, but it was late. Like it was, it was probably like three o'clock still on the bus and none of us had, none of us had slept yet. And we were just playing cards and the more we played, the more sloppy we got. But as you kind of get tired like that, everything becomes, I think like two or three times as funny. So just that whole time, like guys were half asleep in between deals and it was just a mess. But uh, (laughs) like still to this day, there's probably some stuff that was said that can't be repeated, but um, the whole time was just like, like I said, giggling and laughing the entire time. So that's probably one of the, the funnier memories I have. Who are the guys that you think uh, have the most to say at that table? I know because I've heard you from the front of the bus where I sit. You frequently have a lot to say at that table. And we're going to get to how much you love to talk in the locker room. But who are some of the big voices, at least last season, at the Iowa Wild Card table? Uh, I think for sure Zeno is a is a huge voice there. Joe, obviously, I don't think that surprises anybody. And Bads is pretty talkative. Um, Kramer, when he was there, was he was holding court the whole time. Obviously, um, towards the end of the year, he wasn't there, but um, kind of everybody there. Like, is there's not too many serious parties for that whole uh, that whole time. So everybody's pretty talkative and. Those are some and, and big personalities too. I mean, each and every one of those guys. Yeah, exactly. Listed, like it's right? kind of the, yeah, it's like it's like kind of the, the the majority of the louder guys. So I don't think it makes you anybody at the front too happy. <laughs> so let's start with this, Adam. I there's really to me there's two Adam Beckmans that I see on on a daily basis being around you here with the Wild. There is the calm, composed, professional Adam Beckman. You do it very well when I'd wrangle you for interviews, for broadcasts. And then there's the bouncing off the walls, ball of energy, exuberant. Hockey is so much damn fun, Adam Beckman. How can we bring out that Adam Beckman for this podcast today? Well, I think it's good. I think it's uh, it'll be good with you guys. It shouldn't be too hard. But, um, yeah, like it's – I think that, like, you keep saying hockey is so fun it is, and we always talk, like, or, you know, people say, you know, hockey's a job, but it's the best job, right? I always say that, and it's it's the, it's the a privilege to be able to do it for, for a living, and um, I just, you can't take any day lightly, I think, and that for me, it's just to have as much fun as you can, but sometimes when you're doing radio interviews, you can't uh, quite be as... Uh, energetic as you are in the room <laughs> i remember and, and and joey and i talked about this when we were talking about this podcast on our last episode there was a point for me i remember the season where i started to see a little bit of that adam beckman in the pregame interviews and you're right you can't you can't completely rev it up like you do in the locker room for an interview but you've had to learn so much about being a pro and i'd imagine that's something you've learned a little bit about too is building your brand and building that authentic energetic personality do you think you've started to get more comfortable in that space i can already tell even today i think you feel a lot more comfortable than this would have been at the beginning beginning of last season or at the beginning of two seasons ago too yeah i think so i think it's 
I've kind of, as you, as I've matured, I've kind of learned that like just being used the kind of the best version of obviously there's within reason, you got to know kind of the, the circumstances and stuff like that. But I think that that's what, you know, the media wants, like, that's what you guys want. You want to see the personality of the player. And um, I think to an extent um, you got to find a happy medium, but I think for myself, it's trying to have as much fun with it because like you just said, it's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and you, you got to try to make it as fun as possible because it helps me and it helps you guys as well. So for sure. The role that you play in the room, the energy, the fun, the smiles, it's not original to Adam Beckman. There's a guy like this usually on every team you play on. What role does that guy have? Because you have to have that guy that's just, they're running around and they're always bringing fun to the rink because sometimes as fun as hockey is, it cannot be fun. So what role do you think you play in the locker room culture with the role that you have being that fun, energetic guy? And have you always been that guy dating back to earlier on in your hockey career? Yeah, I think I've always kind of had that that personality of just kind of having fun with it and, you know, being outgoing and loud. Um, I think that, you know, everybody has their days where you might you know, might not feel like being that guy, myself included. Um, but I think that, you know, when you are kind of feeling that way, it's nice to have somebody that is. And, and there usually is in the room. There's there's more than just me that, that acts the way I do. And, and that kind of just lifts the spirits, obviously. There's some time in the, the lean parts of the year where it's kind of in a lull or, or whatever and you kind of just need that and I think that it goes a long way and like I said for myself I just try to have as much fun with it because you don't want to take any day for granted because it's it's a it's a short life but it's you know, an even shorter career as well so you got to enjoy you know as much as you can of it and like I said that I definitely have my my days as well where I'm whether you're frustrated or just down a bit, but um, just kind of having people to, to, to be around you to, to make it better. I think that that's the beauty of the sport as well. Like that's the beauty of sport is just people that generally are at that level are like that. And just being around that type of people is, does a lot for yourself. I think. And recording, put that out as words of wisdom for the world right there. <laughs> that was uh that was some wise, wise talk good. there, Adam, right, Joey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was. I mean, that's. I mean, we could probably just cut now and just finish <laughs> it. But I know that's not what people want to hear. No, no, no. Um, you know, talking about your your big, your loud personality. Is that something that's always like? Were you like that in juniors as well? Is that something that's always been a part of your DNA, or is that something you just kind of learned along the way? Where like, yeah, every room does need somebody like this to kind of kind of bring everybody together and lighten the mood. I don't know. I think that I've always been like that. I don't think it's even so much that like the room needs it. It's just kind of like, it's my personality. That's kind of the way I was, was when I was young. I like all my buddies still to this day, always kind of make fun of sometimes the, the stuff I say or the way I act. But um, yeah, I, I think that there's a, there's a balance to it, but for the most part, I'm, uh, I'm pretty uh, outgoing. I think that it kind of is a little bit of a, kind of a double-edged sword sometimes because if I'm not acting that way, people kind of immediately know that something's not <laughs> where or something's wrong or something like that. So I always get people asking, it's like, well, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of tough to hide it sometimes, but um, I don't know. I think that I've always kind of been that way. Everybody we've talked to along the way says the same thing. We always ask, you know, who's the loudest guy in the room? And it 
your name is, is always one that comes up and it's like, oh, well, obviously. So I think we need to set the record straight and just hear it from the source. Would you agree with everybody that you are the loudest one? Or do you think there's somebody else who should have that honor? I think, I don't think I necessarily, I, I would be, I think that I still like, and like you're still, especially like last year and stuff, you're not even that comfortable, right? You're around a lot of older guys and stuff like that. So I think that like Joe would probably be, well, like I said, Joe Hicketts or Joe Cameron for sure would be to me the more louder spoken guys. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just got a, a higher voice or or more ener- energy behind it. But I think those guys talk a little more than me. I think, anyways. I think your descriptions <laughs> bang on, Adam. I think if you were to say more most words per day, I would agree with you. I I think Joseph Cramarosa, Joe Hicketts would definitely be fighting for each other's air on that one, so to speak. But yeah, I think your voice carries because I my my <laughs> office is way tucked back in the athletic training room, and I've heard you multiple rooms away in the lounge before, you know, make some declarations (laughs) and some proclamations that I just, I can't again. And I smile thinking about it because that's what you bring to the room. I'm curious because going up to the NHL, which you've done on a few occasions now, um, you know, three games uh, two years ago on the national hockey league, nine last season. So you're on your way, but just as much as acclimating to life on the ice is difficult going from the American League to the National League, so is walking into a locker room that has its own culture, has its own leaders. How much of authentic Adam Beckman have you been able to be walking into those rooms? Because oftentimes a super loud, boisterous guy walking into a room, no matter how genuine you are, you can get the wrong type of looks, right? Oh, for sure. I think that there's definitely a balance. I think that in Minnesota, like I always say, like the group there is so awesome. Like they kind of do an awesome job of making everybody feel comfortable and be able to act, you know, within their comfort zone and act like their personality. But I think even just from yourself, you're a little bit more reserved because you're not quite as comfortable around people. I think that even for me, like that's everything in general. Like I'm not going to necessarily be myself if I'm not super comfortable around the people, but I think that they they do such a good job of like encouraging that you just kind of be yourself and stuff like that. And I think that that's kind of one of the best things about going up there. Are there guys up there who have kind of taken you under their wing of sorts? Any of those older guys, any of the vets who kind of they see you got these young guys come in and kind of try to show you the ropes a little bit or kind of show you the way that things are done? Yeah, I think it's it's funny because like when you go there, there's you kind of your crew of some of those, a lot of guys that I've played with in Iowa, whether it's Addy or, you know, Dewey or, or Shawzi. So you get to go under those guys. And even, you know, you're kind of under their wing there as well. Like they're, um, so to speak, they're kind of established in, in a sense there and they can kind of show you the ropes as well. But the, like the entire team is all like, they just, like I said, they make you feel comfortable and, um, there, there's so many guys that are, are awesome. Like, you know, Felino is, is unbelievable and just making sure everything's going on, talking to you all the time. And, and there's countless guys, like you could go on to speak, you know, the whole team in, in terms of just making you feel comfortable and talking all the time. One thing I know you're avid at an avid in sewer ball before the game. <laughs> and there's a lot of guys, whether it's this team or other teams that do it, but I've heard from a few different people, and I had to corroborate this because I didn't want to just take it from one source, that they think you're lacking on the sewer ball side. 
two-touch, whatever you want to call it. Would you agree with that assessment that your sewer ball game needs work? It definitely needs work. <laughs> I would say that there's there's two things that I would own. I'd say one is most improved player in terms of where I came from in the last years. But I think the second thing is like probably most dedicated player. Like I put in, you know, probably, you know, from the time it, the sewer ball starts before the game to the time it ends, like I'm pretty well in there the, the whole time uh, that it gets played. So um, I definitely do need to work on my game. I, I still talk about it to this, like in the summertime, like I'd like to, I don't know if you guys see P- PD on Instagram or anything, but like he's always, he's juggling soccer balls and, and playing with his cousins and stuff. And I think that that's where I lack. I think that, you know, you get so caught up working on your, your shot and your, and your strength. You don't really work on your, your ball dribbling. So I think that that's something that I could uh, maybe implement into my off season. Just working in the daily routine. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I definitely do need some work. Um, but like I said, I think I'm one of the more improved players for sure. Speaking of teammates, those who play sewer ball with you, I've also been told that there is a deep, deep seated ring of corruption in the Iowa Wild sewer ball ranks. Can you speak on that at all and who some of the most corrupt players are? I don't want to speak on it because, like, sometimes if you – if it comes down to it, like, you can kind of be on their side. So I'm not going to sewer anybody He's playing here, the game. He's playing yeah, the game, yeah. You're, you're a part of the ring, aren't you? <laughs> side with them as much as you can. But uh, I would say that, you know, the corruptness is probably on the older side of the players and, and not the younger. That's, that's all I would say. What does corruption look like in sewer ball? Uh, just if you're out arguing, um, forcing somebody to battle you is probably a big thing or just downright saying that you didn't touch it or, or the ball was, you know, or if a ball kind of gets stopped or something, you can kind of make a case for yourself versus if a younger guy's trying to. <laughs> I always like to try and, and illuminate because I feel like some of our listeners definitely know what we're talking about. Some don't. Yeah. Um, having played, I've, I've been a part of sewer ball games. I've been a part of sewer ball battles. I'm sure Joey has too. walk us through a sewer ball battle. What exactly does that mean? And are there any great battles when you think about some that you watched, maybe some that you were in this year that come to mind? Yeah. Um, so basically what happens is like, if you kind of think that you, maybe somebody else could have given some more effort or something along the lines of two people getting out and just not watching or, or, or something like that. Like you can kind of contest your, what happened and you can take somebody to, to battle versus each other. So you kind of call a guy out and I mean, a guy doesn't have to, if he doesn't think he's in the wrong, it kind of usually ends up going to the, the older guys or the winner of the last game can kind of determine whether it's fair or not, but there is a battle. It's just like, it's usually one V one. There's a chance there's, four people involved if there was four guys that really weren't um you know moving for the ball at all but for the most part it's it's one v one um and you just like you get two two touches to kind of pass the ball back and forth and whoever messes up first loses the best battle would probably be um and pd and zeno are are funny because they uh they're both pretty good and they're both a little bit stubborn so like and they're skilled so like it's fun to watch them get in battles for sure and um you know you kind of got to give like like sometimes if i don't get a ball i'm like like it's not possible for me to get that ball like you guys know my talent level i'm trying to 
I'm trying as hard as I can out here, but if there's some of the more skilled guys don't quite go for a ball or something like that, there's a little bit more of an argument to be made. If I was investigating the Iowa Wild sewer ball ring for corruption, I think I would start with Nick Patan and Zane McIntyre based off our conversation here. I, that's where my first investigation. Yep, that's where my first investigation. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, allegedly, I'm not saying they're guilty, but I think I would start there. I think I would start there. Somewhere they're listening and going, he's talking about us. He's talking about us. <laughs> they tend to win. So there's that at least. <laughs> We'll put you in the witness protection program, uh, yeah, exactly. uh, Adam. We'll make sure you're, you're taken care of. We'll, 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 we'll just give you the silhouette face for this part of the of the podcast. <laughs> I want to I want to talk about. So we last summer, probably this time last summer, maybe a little bit later, we had Joe Hicketts on, and he really got into the the relationship, the dynamic between the two of you. And I went back and listen to it and some of the you know doing my research like a good podcast host what a journalist um yeah what a journalist trying to you know pull some things out of there so i guess you know my first question for you we heard joe's side of the story really how you guys became roommates going into last season the 21 22 season so i guess what's your version of the story because i'm sure somewhere along the lines he he when Joe explained it, it was very nonchalant. Like, yeah, we just kind of hung out a little bit at camp and we're both looking for places in Des Moines. And that's how it was. But I feel like there's more to that. So how did you guys become roommates? And what was the decision like coming to this past season to continue that for another year? Yeah, honestly, like that's kind of how it was. Like at the beginning was just kind of like, you know, you kind of come to a new place and you're not super comfortable. And some people have, you know, stuff set up. So you kind of just see what happens and, for me, I was like, I was very, very behind in in the, so to speak, in terms of like knowing what to do or what to get. So he was like, awesome. He kind of like, he knew exactly like, this is what you got to do. You got to, I learned so much in terms of just like, obviously like being a pro, but just like that side of it as well. Like there's a lot that goes into, you know, the days where you're moving in or the days where you're moving out as well. So um, like for me, like completely blind, right? Like I didn't know a lot. So it just worked out good and he was awesome in terms of just being open to everything and he, he cooked for you know almost all the meals and and took care of me so to speak and then this year um it just kind of made sense again like i wasn't entirely sure what we were doing or you never know where you're going to be or what's exactly going on so um we ended up getting a little bit bigger of a place so it was good there was um it was a nice place and we had fun and it, it was awesome it's it uh it was definitely easy for me. <laughs> what is he, – he talked a lot about, you know, him having been around for a little bit, it being your real first year, you know, teaching you really what it's – the things you need to know about living on your own. Obviously, you know, you mentioned Joe Cooked and whatnot, but is there something that – is there, like what's the best thing that he taught you along the way about, you know, I'm living on my own for the first time. These are the things that you got to learn how to do or you got to know how to do. Like, just like in, in terms of living, uh, I would say like, just yeah, kind of like preparing for the week, right? Like you kind of got to understand your schedule, like what exactly you're going to do. And then like, okay, this is, unless you want to go to the grocery store every single day, you got to kind of like plan out your week and then like do your shopping based upon that and like know what you're going to eat each day. Cause you know, we get breakfast and and lunch at the rink but from you know most days you got you're on your own for supper so you gotta 
figure out your your plan for the week i think is the biggest thing because you know if it was me i probably would have just be doing it each day and and then that turns into ordering it ben Ben, do you remember when joe talked about the kitchen utensils and how beck said he had a lot of useless kitchen utensils so there's one question we had to follow up with you on it he says you know he always says i got these useless kitchen utensils and you just you know you're learning what what you need in the kitchen all that kind of stuff in your mind what is the most useless kitchen utensil that Joe had? Um, he had the two most useless for me, in my opinion, were just kind of like wastes of space. Was he had this like, like spice rack that he had bought, and it like had like, just like probably like sixty different spices on it, and like you put in what salt and pepper, some garlic, like usually using in your meals and stuff like that. And it had like all this stuff that I'd never seen him use. So that for one was, it's not so much a utensil, but more of just like a knickknacky thing. That Space was waster. Yeah. And then the other thing was his, he had an Instapot. I'm like, I've heard that these things are like unbelievable. People use them all the time. We use it. Like he, he, he only time he would use it is if he was cooking ribs, but like you didn't need to use it. So I like, I thought that that was kind of useless, but it's huge, like big thing. Like he's got like, like when he first moved in, he's like all, all these different trunks of stuff. And it's like, w- what is all this for? Right. Like, but I guess you learn like over two years, you accumulate so many more things each year that you just like, you move out and you're like, where did this stuff come from? So I, I kind of understand it that, you know, over time he's played, he's accumulated a bunch of things, but those are definitely the things that I would say are useless see the instant pot the instant pot is one thing that he like swore by because he said that's the way to make ribs that's the secret that's it though like that's the only thing he used it for interesting he said he also said you had a magic bullet that never left the box Uh, (laughs) is that still in a box have you ever used that i didn't even bring it this year (laughs) but like that's a breakfast thing right like i didn't know that like you're getting breakfast at the rink so i just like had it and now i know so i don't bring it like i kind of Made that adjustment. That checks out. Yeah. That checks out. Yeah. <laughs> that, Thanks, that, Ben. That, yeah. <laughs> that, che- that checks out with me. Um, yeah. Um, Cal, that's funny. The, the spice rack thing and the Instapot thing hit home. We, My wife and I also have an Instapot. She encouraged us to get it. Has a big spice rack in the kitchen. And I can empathize a little bit with that. Like, she, we just got juniper berries the other day. And I'm like, what are we going to do with these? <laughs> I just have no clue. I would, I would be, I mean, you won't know this, but I'd be really curious of all the different spices Joe Hicketts has on there, but that's another podcast for another day for another time. Yeah. Um, exactly. Along those same lines though, the transition to pro um, you're coming into really your third year pro technically four. you had the beginning and, and ending of the, your season during the COVID shortened season with Iowa here going back and forth from Spokane. But is there something that you've, learned that you've picked up since you've joined the pro ranks that you just went I can't believe this is such an important part of being a pro that when I was in junior getting ready to launch into my AHL NHL career that I never thought would be a part of being a professional hockey player coffee no (laughs) coffee is one thing that I never did when I was in junior but uh I think just like your nutrition right like you you get so caught up in like not really needing to like nutrition. When I say nutrition, I mean like what you're eating and like when you're cooking it and, you know, like just cooking in general. I think that that's the biggest thing that I was 
unaware of it's because like usually your people are you know when you're in junior you got a billet and they're kind of doing everything to kind of make it easy for you right and just learning to adjust in that way and like making sure you're eating enough if you're not necessarily um eating enough at the rink or you know you're doing so much in a day that you got to eat a lot more than you would if you're not doing anything so just the nutrition side of it and eating as much as you can is the biggest thing for me that i've learned that i still am learning about i think going forward i want to get onto the ice with you adam but before i get there joey lifestyle off the ice stuff that you wanted to get to before we officially segue to talk about where there's a ton to talk about Adam Beckman, the actual hockey player. We've been talking about Adam Beckman, the person for much of this, which was according to plan, but uh, anything joy before we, we get out to Adam Beckman snapping 24 goals home this season here with the wild. Yeah. I think the big thing is just like, I mean, obviously your, your summer is full of on ice training, being in the gym and whatnot, but like, how are you spending your downtimes over the summer? I know, you're a big lake guy, right? So, like, how what are you doing in your free time? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I've, I've actually been golfing a lot more this year than I have in, in years prior. Um, it's something that I, I, I've had. I'm getting a little bit better, so it's more fun. I'm still nowhere where I need to be in terms of my game. But I'm doing a lot more golfing this year. And I think, like, the time just flies by because it's just like you're catching up with people that, you know, like you're trying to make – you know, their schedules work or whatever it is. You got to go somewhere this weekend, that weekend. But, you know, the times where you can go up to Lake and, and hang out with the, you know, family and stuff like that's awesome. Um, my girlfriend has a cabin to go up there and hang out and stuff like that's awesome. But, um, yeah, like, like I said, there's so much stuff that goes into a weekend. It seems like, like you got a buddy coming from town or he's coming to visit home or he's working all weekend or something like that. So trying to make everything work is what, uh, is, is, is the biggest part of it. I think you got a best, What's your best golf score. I was summer? just going to ask. Yes. You're willing My to share that golf score is like an 89 with some asterisks. <laughs> like <laughs> <With> some asterisks. <laughs> <laughs> there's some asterisks beside that score, but that, that'd be my like best, best. That's right around where I'm at. So, I mean, yeah. Ben, you, you saw yeah. me went out with my arms. That's, it was not good. It was not pretty. <laughs> not just me, but the world saw that, Joey, too. The Iowa <laughs> yeah, Wild yeah, world exactly. saw that. At Beckman might have, at might have seen those swings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's used the world lightly. We don't have that many viewers yet, <laughs> but we're getting there. Hey, we're, we're working on adding, we got sponsors that are lining up, Joey. We're yeah. working on it. We're, we're working on it. Knocking down the door. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I thanks for sharing that, Adam. I've we've asked that question to a few guys, and and a few have not been willing to share their scores. Per usual, though, Adam Beckman's an open book, which we love about you. Um, let, let's talk on ice, Bex. Is there anything in life that brings you more joy than scoring goals? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you, you can't replicate it. I don't think we always talk about that, or like some guys will even say that. Like, this, what is a better feeling? You always here you compare it to another sport. Like, what? Like, what would you? considered being better so i don't know i don't think so well it shows uh as far <laughs> as guys that i've got the pleasure of uh calling goals for uh i think you're the first person i ever commented on it after a goal and there it is the patented beckman smile i mean every single time that puck goes in the net it's sheer joy to watch you do it um is that something that you you consciously do, or is that just it's it's pure rush in the moment? You just can't help but shine out like you do when you score a goal. 
Uh, I don't know. I think it's like a little bit of both probably. Like even in practice, guys are always bug- like messing around. They're celebrating and stuff like that. So I think it just kind of happens. Like you don't, you can't really control it. But um, like you said, it's a, it's an awesome feeling. I think that like, you know, it's hard to, like it's hard to score. So sometimes it's a little bit of relief or, or something like that. Or um, so it, it's fun to, you know, be in those situations. I've been curious to ask you, and I was, as Joey mentioned earlier, doing my research, being a good journalist, and looking into you and shooting because you you were one of the top five shooters in the league two years ago as a rookie. You were on your way to being a top five shooter in the league this year, shot volume-wise, until you got injured in March. But And I did some homework. I think it was just a little under three shots per game you were averaging two years ago. This year, 3.5. I actually eye test wise felt like you shot less this year than you did last year. But really I think what the truth is shot selection, choosing when to shoot, choosing when to pass, choosing when to hold on to the puck. What was that learning process like for you? What did you notice about Adam Beckman year one to Adam Beckman year two, choosing to shoot at the right times? Clearly it worked because you more than doubled your goal output from 11 to 24 year in, year out. So what was that process like? What did you learn about shooting? Because you have all the skills. You have the shot. You have the, the release. You have the, the, the accuracy. But it was getting shots through, maybe. That was something that plagued you early. But last year, boy, did it work in a big way. Yeah, I think um, definitely like was one of the things this year was just like like you said, I, I think maybe, maybe that's the, the statistics, but I feel like I shot a little bit less this year as well. I think that just like um, in turn, like holding on to pucks is like a, a big thing. Like I think at this level, so important. Like you work so hard to get it that sometimes you know shooting it in a way can be getting just rid of it, or, or depending on you know where you are or what part of the the rink you're in. But um, I think if you're in a prime scoring area, obviously you're going to shoot the puck, but um you know when you're in some areas where you can waste one on net you sometimes are just better off holding on to it and, and making plays or or just protecting it and kind of eating away that way so I think just learning when the right spots to do that were and I think I'm still kind of learning that part of the game because sometimes you feel like you don't have much time or you think you have less time than you have and you have to just kind of make a read as quick as you can but I think learning to um, make those reads is something that I'm still kind of trying to work on and, and want to work on because shooting the puck's good, but you know, holding on to it and getting it to a better area is also even better. So, yeah. What are some of the high level things? And again, you could almost do a whole podcast on this, just shooting and choosing when to shoot and what looks good to shoot. What are some of the high level things you're looking for when you get into a somewhat scoring area to say, now's the time. There's the obvious time you get a puck in the slot, you got room, you're going to fire it. But what are some of the things you're looking for when you know you're in a situation in a scoring area that you're going to get, you're going to fire the puck? Yeah, I think it's, maybe tendencies and stuff like that. Like you kind of want to be consistent with, you know, if you're in certain situations and you, like we do stuff before the games, you know, they pre-scout goalies and they kind of give you the, the MO of what a goalie, you know, tends to do. And you got to try and, you know, play the statistics, but at sometimes you just got to read and react. So I think that like just putting yourself in the best position to score is the biggest thing, battling for your ice and the scoring areas is the most important thing. Um, and being open is, is another big thing that I try and find the openings because, um, it's hard to get open, right? Like it's, 
especially at the pro level, like there's guys are big and, and strong. So you got to try and work for your ice. You got a favorite way to score a goal, a big booming one timer, stepping into a, a snapshot, a breakaway, a rebound. One thing I noticed this year, Adam, was I feel like you scored a lot more goals from the paint. You were a shooter two years ago. You still were a shooter this year, but you scored a lot getting inside and working for that ice like you talked about. But if you had to pick your poison, what's your favorite way to, to, to blast one home? I don't know. I think like, like, like I said, any, any way of scoring is, is a, feels like a privilege or whatever you, you kind of have fun with it. So it doesn't really matter. I think like, I, I don't think I've scored a lot of one-timers, but like putting a one-timer is, is always fun. Like guys are always messing around with them after practice and stuff like that. So that's probably one of the, the better ones to, to hit for sure. It's a goal scorer's answer. doesn't matter how. Just beat it in the yeah. back of the net. They all count. The <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ben kind of alluded to, you know, your your jump from year one to year two and seeing that big improvement. So heading into this year, looking at this offseason, coming up on a, on a year where you're going to be one of those guys really competing for one of those final roster spots in Minnesota, what is your focus like this summer? Like, what are you really honing in on? What did, you know, at the end of the year, you have your exit interviews, you know, what are the kinds of things that they wanted you to focus on this summer, getting ready for the upcoming season? I think obviously each summer you want to just sharpen up all your skills and, and improve it in, in all aspects of that. I think for me, it's getting bigger and stronger and just continuing to develop physically is a, is a big thing for myself. But um, I think rounding out your game is another thing in terms of on the ice, you got to be able to kind of play in all situations and um, working on that during the summertime is going to be important. I think that just, like you said, um, you want to be trusted upon or whatever, because, you know, that can go a long way. And I think that just trying to be as much of a 200 foot player, something that I'm continuing to try and work on. How does one shoot like Adam Beckman? What was maybe the secret growing up? Cause I remember shooting pucks and I always shot like a six year old my whole life, well into my college career. So whatever I was doing, wasn't working. What were some of the things? Was it, how you, how you, what were you were shooting at, how you chose to shoot, not only because it really is, it, it's, it's a three headed dragon the way you shoot. It's speed, it's velocity, it's release, it's also targeting. You really do have a total package shot, Adam. What, aside from God given talent, what else do you think you did to really help hone that craft? You're still honing it, but to put an NHL caliber shot on the table is not something every player, even playing in the NHL, can say. I think working on it's the biggest thing. Like I try to, you know, work on it, you know, for the most part as much as I can. I think that a big thing for me is like, I want to get, you want to get a, like a quick release, right? Like, but you know, you can shoot the puck quick, but it's like quick and put it where you want it. I think that that's the thing that I'm trying to work on to try and, you know, further my shot is just like being able to get it off in quick areas, but put it where you want it. And that's the hardest part about shooting. I think is like, you know, if you got time and space, anybody can kind of put a puck. Like at our level, I think anybody can put a puck where you want to put it. But just being able to get it off quick and put it the way you want it is the biggest thing that I want to work on, I think. Is there somebody who you watch, whether it's maybe it's somebody else in the locker room, it could be somebody else in the American League or even somebody in the National League, there's somebody you look at and you're like, that's the shot. Like if I could perfect my shot, that's the one that I want. Uh, I don't know. I think like you watch obviously and like you look at like Matthew shoot the puck or whatever. And it's like, it's unbelievable. And I think that like, it's such a lethal weapon he has and you want to 
learn and, and replicate as much as you can. But guys play the game differently, right? They're in different areas to score goals. Or, like, you know, Ovechkin scores goals, I think, a lot differently than Matthews does. But they still seem to score, you know, 50 a year or whatever it is. But I think just like like I said, just watching guys and where they're scoring from is the, the biggest thing. You know, finding the scoring areas, I think, is one of the biggest parts of it because – like you just Ben said, you know, getting around the net is somewhere where you can kind of try and find, you know, some more goals. And that's something that I'm trying to, you know, implement in my game, I think. I got two final questions for you, Adam, and I'll let Joey get in. I'm sure he's got a few he wants to get to as well. But my first one, if a Des Moines youth player was talking to Adam Beckman and they said, Adam, I want to be able to shoot like you, what would you tell them to go and do specifically um, – from a shooting pucks perspective, from a working training perspective on shooting? Uh, the biggest thing is shooting, right? Like that's uh, the biggest thing is just getting, you know, repetition and probably just shooting the puck. Um, I don't know. You could shoot from different feet, you know, whether it's your left foot or your right foot. Sometimes you tend to always shoot up the same kind of area. It's probably the biggest thing for a little kid to, to learn is just like be off balance or, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's not always it perfect. It's not the, not the way you want. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly. That's not always going to be the perfect. I can walk down Broadway and set it up on a platter. Um, yeah, <laughs> Joey, I'll save my final question for last. It's a good summation question. Uh, take it okay. away until we wrap things up here with Adam. Yeah, I just have one more, uh, one big one. Really thinking, just I mean, you've been in Des Moines really two years now. Uh, I feel like we we asked this one to quite a few guys. What are some of your favorite? places in Des Moines to, to go unwind, whether it's having a drink, grabbing a bite to eat, what are some of your, your go-to spots? Yeah. Uh, my favorite restaurant is probably, that's a good question. Um, I'd say like, like I like, I don't know if you guys have been to Bubba at all. Like it's so good. It's, yeah. I think it's, uh, I like the, like the, like not the scenery, but like the vibe in there is pretty cool as well. Um, if you guys get Nick Batana on, you could talk to him. I think he's been to every single place in the city. So he'd be, he'd be pretty funny. I'm like, I don't like to venture. Like if I like something, I like go there. Like that's kind of like how I am. So, um, I'm definitely probably drawing a blank here, but, um, I think Bob was probably one of the better places that I like to go eat for sure. Fried chicken, that pimento mac and cheese. Dynamite. Yeah. Dynamite. Marquise, <laughs> just, Marquise just gave the heads up on that. It's, it's, it's so good. It's incredible. Um, my final question for you, Adam, is who is Adam Beckman now that you weren't when you first walked into Wells Fargo Arena during that 2020-21 COVID-shortened season? What have you learned? Who are you now that you weren't then? That's a hard-hitting question. Uh, journalism, journalism, maybe. <laughs> yeah, journalism. <laughs> Too big – journalist on here uh i think me probably just like maturing is such a broad term but i think that's the biggest thing that's like happened to me i think that i've kind of you know started to become a man even more physically than i was at that time but just mentally and like trying to you know deal with the ups and downs of pro hockey in terms of you know on the ice off the ice just like finding a balance between being really um, engaged in the game and stuff like that, but also like knowing you got to like take some time away and just like let your body, mind and body heal. Um, so I think just like maturing in, in regards to that, like 
when you're young and, and stuff like that, you can kind of approach the game a little bit differently, right? Like you don't, you don't get as tired or whatever it is, but when you're playing 72 game against, you know, man and stuff like that, it's a lot harder to, to just like be able to do everything every day. You got to know your body. And I think that that's the biggest thing I've learned is just maturing and knowing your body and what it needs. Adam, this has been a blast. Anything that we didn't get to that you feel like the Iowa wild world needs to know? I don't think so. I think this is good. This is this is fun. You guys, uh, you guys were prepared for sure. These, the journalists were prepared, and that's all you can ask for. So, I, I don't, I don't got anything. I just thanks for having me on. I was hoping we'd get to see, as I laid out, the two types of Adam Beckman's that I've seen. We got to see. We got off ice. We got you jumping around. We got that smile. We got a little laughter in there, and then we got the the pro concise, composed hockey talk into. I, I think we laid it out okay today. We represented you well, I think, Bex. Yeah, I think you guys did too. That was good. <laughs> I was getting worried. Like, I hadn't been on the podcast two years. You guys have been posting stuff, and I haven't been on anything. So I was starting to get worried. Maybe you guys didn't like me or anything like that. A giant thanks to a giant voice in the Iowa Wild locker room, Adam Beckman, for a ton of fun there, uh, some great stories, and uh, protecting the innocent until proven guilty uh, of the Iowa Wild sewer ball corruption ring. Uh, there's, there might need to be more diving into that that we can do. Um, but without Sounds like a nice... Nice feature story. I think so. <laughs> we may have to get our beat writer, Alec Lesner, on that uh, to do some investigative journalism. But uh, time for something we've been wanting to do all summer, and we're finally getting to it. And there's no better person to start with uh, in this space. For the first time ever on camera uh, on the Ride in the Bus podcast, the man who makes Joey and I sound a lot better than we actually are, Marquise Jones, our videographer and uh, video editor and audio editor for the podcast. Marquise, it's great to be doing this with you, pal. Yeah, I've been on, uh, I've had the headset on a couple yeah. times, but uh, first time on this side of the camera, though. You're so good behind the camera. How do you think you'll be in front of the camera now? Uh, I mean, I've done a couple, uh, couple uh, things here and there. Uh, don't go looking for it, but uh, <laughs> in college we used to do little like sports show, or we and a couple, me and my buddies, I guess people that I was in, you know, say my classes with, where we were kind of assigned to do some stuff like this, and then uh, yeah, we did a little uh, podcast too. So like I said, don't go looking for it, but uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look for it, <laughs> Marquise. For you, uh, let's set the let's set the precedent for what we're going to be doing here moving forward on on this period. Is we thought not only let's spotlight some of these different roles. There are people listening that may be wondering how did this one get into videography? Why did you get into videography? But also, we're going to do a little bit of, of of a trip down memory lane as well. We're 20 episodes in now. It's a great milestone for us. You've been a part of all 20 episodes. Yeah. Um, so, but for starters. Walk us through videography, getting into it. What drew you to it? You were a football player in college, but mm -hmm. you knew at some point, like all of us here on this podcast, sports was going to stop and you wanted to stay around sports. So yeah. walk us through getting into the videography side and then eventually getting to the Iowa Wild too. Yeah. So uh, I'd say out of people that I know that do this, uh, my story is a little bit different. So originally I went to college. I wanted to be a teacher because my, my mom was a teacher. She's a principal now, but like... You know, that's kind of what I saw growing up. So, like, I can do that, too. But then, uh, 
like, I think about three semesters in, I was like, uh, I don't know if I really want to do this forever. Yeah. Like, no, no discredit to the people that do it. You know what I'm saying? They do God's work with it, with children they nowadays, do. but, uh, you know what I'm saying? I just didn't know if that that's what I wanted to do. So I think it was like the last day before me signing up for classes for my fourth semester for guys that are student athletes know that like by then you have to have a declared major. So I go in and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I need to pick something. So <laughs> <laughs> they had a gun. So, they had a gun to your head. <laughs> pretty pretty much how pretty much how it went. So I go into the uh, the little like the. Uh, office where they, you know what I'm saying, pick your courses and stuff. And I'm like, what, like, what, what, I need some help, need some guidance here. And they're like, was there any classes that you liked in high school that, you know what I'm saying, you could see yourself getting into? And I remember I took a broadcast journalism class where, you know what I'm saying, we'd go around with the little camcorder and, like, you know what I'm saying, talk to people in the yeah. hallways who were skipping class or whatever, like doing fun stuff like that. Sounds like, like a great segment, actually. <laughs> why, but, uh, why aren't you in class? Nice, <laughs> just amb- nice ambushing people? <laughs> Yeah, that high school was so much fun. Best class I took. Absolutely, and uh, I was like, I, I did one of those, and they're like, well, we have a, we actually have a electronic media program that's, uh, you know, saying kind of starting off, off the ground, really. So, you I mean you would be the first person to fully go through it if you decided to do it today? And I was like, sure, go ahead. Well, they were like, well, the professor leaves for winter break in like a half an hour, so you better run over there and get it. So I was like, okay, I'm going right now, going over there, getting that done. Got signed up, and then, uh, I mean, that, that course at Wayne State, it was just really a lot of, like, film. We did a lot of student films, a lot of, like, kind of film theory things like that. And then on top of that, we did a lot of radio. I was on a, I was a radio show guy for, for – I had to do, like, three hours a week on the radio. No wonder he's uh, so comfortable in this first <laughs> first answer, right, Joey? This is simple. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, <laughs> we, had a, we had our weekly radio sports show called uh cat talk shout out to the boys back at back at wayne state but uh yeah and then uh and like i said my my journey is a little bit different because being a student athlete i didn't really get to do sports videography that much because i mean for those that are college athletes know that's a full-time job and uh so joey wouldn't know you and i would joey (laughs) wouldn't know but uh i'm too busy trying to find cat talk on my phone right now (laughs) but uh uh yeah so I went into went into that just kind of doing what I can, working with student films, and then eventually, once it got closer to me graduating, I uh, applied for an internship back in home in Waterloo for the Waterloo Bucks, and coincidentally, that's when the world shut down. So I mean, yeah, great we time could, to be job searching. Yeah, right? we could we could do a whole podcast on what <laughs> co- what summer baseball during summer two thousand twenty was like. Like I could go on and on, but. Did that uh, and uh, came back. So with me changing majors, I had to do an extra semester. So I did the fall 2020. And then that's where I kind of got into like being able to work with the teams on campus because I wasn't an athlete anymore. They were practicing. So I would start shooting their practices and just give them videos to put on their social media pages and things like that. After graduating, I did one more summer with the Waterloo Bucks and then... uh, that September, uh, I saw Trilux was looking for an Iowa Wild videographer. And then uh, so I was like, hey, uh, I had a buddy that worked. I was a coach for a D3 school, Cornell College in Mount Vernon, for a football team. And they're like, hey, we need a, a, a uniform release video. So he, he called me up and said, hey, I know you're a video guy. So I got a camera, took it down to Mount Vernon, made that video, submitted that video to Trilux, and 
Now I'm here. Here we are. Now yeah. you're on riding the bus. Here we are. Here we are. Two years later. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's it's always that's that's why I wanted to do this. Is everybody's got a different journey to where they're at in this industry. So I think it's really cool to hear what got you to the spot that you're in. My only other real follow up question is when you look back now on what's been two seasons with the wild, do you have a favorite moment that stands out or a favorite piece that you've put together? Maybe. Um, Still my that question. Our fans have seen? Yeah. I mean, I'd say probably some of my favorite stuff would have had to been that, that like week playoff crunch right there where it was like a week, two weeks straight, like where it was just like, okay, we need to put as much playoff stuff out as possible. And we're going to, we're going to, throw it at the fan and, you know what I'm saying, get to running. So I'd say that was – those pieces were kind of some of my favorites, especially because I think that was the – we did the little intro video that I did, and that was my that was my first time, you know what I'm saying, having, you know what I'm saying, that level of something go on the big screen. I mean, I, there's plenty of stuff that go on the screen, but to have, it, you know what I'm saying, the, the lights off, everybody's watching it, that was probably the first time that I really got to do something like that. And then the uh, – the other piece, I forget what it was called, but where we had the lights in the other room and the uh, interviews with the guys. I forget what it was oh, called. Oh, yeah, like our the, the road to the path to the playoffs yes. kind of thing. That yes, we yes, did, yes, yes, was, yes, yes. Yeah. That was Which really fun. It was to kind do. of a bummer. We didn't get to do more of We were hoping to be able yeah. to have more of those, but yeah, that was cool too. Yeah. Anytime I get to, you know what I'm saying, put my own put my own flair into things because, you know what I'm saying, some people might not know, but with the job, you know, there's a lot of more of the stuff that we have to do it like this versus the here you go, you can do whatever you want with it sort of thing, which, you know what I'm saying, comes in balances. But, I mean, that was one of the ones where I was really able to kind of just do whatever I wanted, and that was uh, that was really fun. That intro video is a great story. It, it's it's an interesting story, yeah. and all three of us were involved in that. And it, yeah, came, together, get... it came together very last minute because mm-hmm. the audio yeah. side of it, I made overnight on the bus on the way back from Rockford – and so that was I literally, it was like 3 a.m. in the morning editing that together and then sent that to you, Joey, and you sent that to Marquis. So then Marquis, you did such a great job of putting video because I made that initially for just a radio broadcast. I wasn't even thinking that we were going to have any video yeah. behind it. And you captured that. You nailed it on that. And it came together so well. And then I think the intro video, we had a different intro video in mind the day of the game. And then that ended up shifting too. And I I think it was the right call. Yeah. So, yeah. So (laughs) that's exactly how it went down. We we had. And it happened like it was a snap of the fingers. It was just, it happened in a a a small small window. He talked about it. it. We went through it. I mean, it was, he said two week crunch. It was, it happened fast. That right? intro so, video was like 24 hours. I remember, <laughs> yeah, honestly, it was, it was <laughs> more like a weekend, really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. we were like, all right, we're just, we're going to run the same intro video that we ran during the season, but we'll do like an intro to the intro video, essentially. And that was what we were going to do. And then we had this piece, which I think was initially intended for the AHL TV broadcast. Yep. And then you had seen it. And we were running on the big board as like a rehearsal. And I got a text from you and you were like, this video needs to run like during the game. And I think I might have even been like, well, you wanted to use this on HLTV. Are you sure? And you were like, yeah, no, let's use it. And so I worked with Allie and I worked with Dylan, first of all. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, I want to see what this looks like. Let's run it through. And this was the day of the game. 
hey the afternoon of the game yeah yeah let's see what this looks like let's run it through and we turned the lights off we had the volume up we tried a couple different ways and then like it clicked and marquise was there on his computer we had to make a couple small tweaks and we did this and that and and it was like we watched it with nobody in the building i remember like me dylan and Allie were were or were sitting up top like where the game presentation perches and marquise was on the landing next to us i remember the equipment guys were getting the bench set up jeff the zamboni driver was waiting for us to finish so he could go cut the ice but like watching those videos yet i got chills watching them and then when we got to run in the arena and everybody had their flashlights going like it was really cool so mm-hmm. i i mean i think a lot of the stuff you've done has been really good but that one was just different than the others. So I, I, I concur with that. Yeah. And the amount of time that you did to turn it around too. And cause something that fast can sometimes lose the polish and you did both. So that was, yeah, that was sweet. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was during that, during that day, when I heard it start going out on the ice, I was down in my office working on something for that night, and I, sp- I sprinted out because I wanted to see it. So I was watching it with you guys. I was down on the bench watching it, and I had the same exact experience when you guys had it. I was like, man, this you just sometimes sometimes it all comes together, right? And that was one of those moments where it was just like, this is going to be really, really, really cool uh, when it plays. I don't. I didn't get to experience it in game. I was in the middle of my pregame show <laughs> when in game it happened. Yeah. But that moment we were all watching together from different spots is a pretty cool moment too. Um, is there a favorite shot you have? Because the one thing that I always impresses me is it's not easy to keep pace in a hockey game, mm-hmm. and especially sometimes the tight shots where you get a player and you're following them in. I think about like the Damian Giroux goal in the playoffs. That was pretty epic. Is there a, is there a shot you think of that you captured in game where you went, this was one of my shining moments that I was able to capture this bit of a game? Yeah, and it's almost like when you get those, you almost like you almost want to like check it. Like, was I recording? Like <laughs> yeah. those sort of things. I think both two of them that I that were my favorites, both coming of Jamie and Giroux. The one that you had mentioned from that playoff game, coincidentally being the last game mm-hmm. that we, you know, what I'm saying like, of course it was the very last one we've done, but and then. During that, uh, during that back-to-back with Colorado, he had another goal that came from a Cremrosa assist, the cross-crease one. Right. And that one, that one I really like because, I mean, he shoots the puck, the, the snow is flying, and he's shooting it. looks like it comes right at me and then gives him one of his signature big-time Giroux celebrations. So I think that was another one I really liked. But I think there's a – I think it's always – I was going to say it's always so funny because – there's, there's only so many places you can shoot from in the arena, mm-hmm. right? And Marquise, I mean, this year, this past season, I was stationed in that 101 Vaughn, and Marquise would come and shoot there every once in a while. And it's funny to talk about the best shots and are you recording. I can't tell you how many times somebody scored a goal and Marquise is like, that would have been great, but look at what I got. And it's just the, the behind the, ref, the line. Yeah, yeah. His camera shot it. You yeah. ruined the whole thing. So yeah, like, I mean, you can't control yeah. where stripes is all the time. But I mean, another one of my favorite shots, I'd say, like some of the some of the cooler stuff is kind of like the not action ones. So I don't know if you've seen the one I did of uh, Zane McIntyre coming down the tunnel. Used it in the playoff video. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's another one of my video. favorite ones. That was where a great it's like, shot. It's the, almost the green like, light on his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, was really, yeah. really, really. That's sweet. probably my favorite not game action one. So with that, from one favorite to the next, let's get to um, finish our episode, which is going to be a, another long one. No surprise. People are just expecting they're going to be long now. But, yeah, they don't have to listen it's, to it if they funny. don't want to. You know what? It, it work, it's funny. It works out. I, 
I'm throwing a shout out because he brought it up the other day with my dad, who number, number one, one fan, fan. number <laughs> one fan, <laughs> but he, uh, Eric Goldstein, number one fan. He was coming, uh, driving down from Vermont, basically, and he, you know, it's a three-hour drive. So he's trying to kill time in the car, and podcast got him through. So nice. we're just helping people. Perfect. You know? I when I'm driving 18 hours, I want to listen to podcasts too. So absolutely. That's what we're here so. For. Favorite. Let Let's go around the the virtual table here. When I say favorite moments, if it's guests or if it's Joey and I bets or um, me not winning any bets against Joey, I'm still. Am I over still? Well, you won the him being in oh. goal. Oh, that's true. Yeah. What, what was that bet? That was the the Vikings and the Pats. That's right. Okay, yeah. I got one win. Oh, my Vikes. Yeah. Took care of business. For but what, what are all, some things that jump out to you guys? All all of mine, I mean, I, listen, I love all the guests that we bring on. But some of those are my the, – getting the do the goalie thing was really fun. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love getting out on the golf course with Dakota. Uh, that was a different episode than what we've done. Um, Kudos to Marquise on that one too, because that was yeah. a beast to edit Not, together. Uh, I know. Yeah, we could another another episode, man. We can get a whole another episode. Maybe I should do my own show about the, the struggles of what it, what it takes to do some of this stuff. When, but yeah, no. when uh, when I was doing research for this one, I, I stumbled across the Hicketts episode, which I don't know if you remember that being the exact episode, but that was the one where you had to wear the full hockey mm-hmm. equipment for oh, the interview. Right. Yep. I forgot which about was, that. I think. Which I think is one we should bring back as a punishment at some point because that was just funny. Um, But I think all things riding the bus considered, and I guess this one isn't – it's not really – it is and it isn't. When we did Man on the Street at the State Fair. Mm -hmm. That was on my list. That was so much – that was like to me that's that's the most fun I've had recording something content-wise for the team so far. I love doing these podcasts, but like – that one was so different and so much fun to do. Um, so I think that's the one that kind of stands out. I know I just named off like five or six. But and probably st- stole a bunch of ours. Marquise, what else? What else? And I'm sure, as you said, you had a few of what he said that was mm-hmm. on your list. But what else is, is rolling around in that brain of yours when yeah. that question gets posed? Yeah, like you had mentioned, that man on the street one, that one was not only was it funny, it was a great time. I mean, it was a hot day. Yeah, but, it was. Uh, you know, and I want to say uh, that was one of Alec Lesnar's first days, so I had him carry my backpack around right. for me so I didn't have to worry about that. But Key uh, grip. He was a key grip that yeah, day. Yeah, that's yes. what he was. That's what he was. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'd say probably one of my, my favorite interviews, just being in the back listening, was the the Jesper one. Yeah, Jesper did it. I mean, he me did the, he's a he's a great guy to listen to him talk and just some of the stories that he told about how you know saying he came from Sweden and how you know what I'm saying he was playing goalie with for his grandma already said play was playing goalie like he had a bunch of really cool stories that I thought was awesome to listen to. I legitimately think if there's ever a time where one of us can't make it to a podcast recording. We could literally just sit him in whatever chair either of us isn't here for, and it would just yeah. it would go off without a hitch. Yeah. I think he would literally be able to do it. I mean, I think he'd embrace it too. Yes, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, quite literally, and this is a way down the road, but I mean, you're looking at what Henrik Lundqvist is able to do on on NHL and TNT right now. Jesper Volstead puts together even a semblance of a career like Henrik Lundqvist did, and that would be an incredible ass, a facet if he could because. Henry Lundqvist just got into the Hockey Hall of Fame and what yeah, a career he yeah. had. But if he can put together an NHL playing career, 
he could easily do something media after. I can mm-hmm. at twenty years old. I could tell you right now, he's he's capable of doing something like that. And and We're gonna I have know a real put together for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, yeah, for, you can edit it for him, Marquise. For this year, yeah. I mean, we did his uh, his uh, spotlight piece. I mean, he he killed oh. that too. Like he's awesome. It's a walking soundbite, and I know I know marketing guru has some plans to feature him much more this season. I just met with Jess Dunham about that too, a little more about some ways that we're going to have him much more in front of everybody. Um, the one that came to mind that hasn't been covered yet for me was uh, interviewing Bill Guerin and having him, and, and people will know this because it's at the beginning of every podcast. You're either on the bus or you're off the bus. Yeah. And Joey and I literally looking at each other and just being like, <laughs> This is the greatest. Th- that's it. That's yeah, it. that's, that's it. it. Like, this and, is the best day ever. <laughs> and, and couldn't have picked a better guest to say it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you talk about the most highfalutin guests we've had. He's it. And then he says something like that. That little just epiphany moment sitting right here going yeah. like – we, we almost didn't know how to continue from there because we were so excited when he said that. Uh, that, was, that was a fun moment for me. And, and, just, and just in general, uh, how much fun conversation we've had, how much fun banter we've had, uh, you know, getting to do this with you guys for now 20 episodes has been just uh, such a treat and such a joy. And uh, here's, to, here's to 20 more and maybe then some. Um, so, yeah, thanks to you guys. Thanks, yeah. guys. Wipe the wipe the dust from my uh, wipe the dust from my eyes. Here allergies, as we, yeah, allergies. Yeah, oh, Are you crying. In there? <laughs> uh, no, really good, um, really good. Twenty episodes. Um, we can't tease who we have coming next because we haven't scheduled it yet. But we will have more episodes coming. We got a, we got a lengthy list of potential. We guests, do. Uh, yep. We good ones. We're not just shooting from the hip on these guests. Uh, we have a plan, and believe it or not. Um, so we, we will have more coming our, uh, coming your way here in the coming weeks. Um, but, um, in the meantime, we hope everybody listening in the United States that will be celebrating the 4th of July has a wonderful independence day. You're, you guys included, uh, and for any Canadians or Europeans listening, we hope you have a great 4th of July too. You may be a little different than what we're doing here in the States, but, uh, thanks guys. This has been great. Yeah. Happy to be here. Always. Who do we got to thank, Ben? Who do we, we got to thank, Joey? Was oh, it my turn? I know, I know who we have that? to thank. Yeah, explore. We got no. we got Explore Minnesota as always uh, for sponsoring the show. We also have Jeremy Corn, Executive Podcast Solutions, uh, for helping get this podcast out to all of our listeners as well. And we get to thank on camera Marquise Jones this time. So, kudos. <laughs> And now Marquise will end the show, and now he'll go start editing this together and getting rid of all the mistakes that we made. Uh, and, of course, to Joey Goldstein uh, for joining us from Beantown. How's the weather out there, by the way? Is it as hot as it is here? Ben, it's terrible. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> you should have left it right at that. And with that, that's been episode and, 20. <laughs> and I thought I was going to bring some nice weather with me, and it's it's just raining. the whole. It's, like it's, it's not... We need some um, of that here. It's dry listen, here. We got a I, my I'm at my parents' house. There's a pool. I'd love to be out by the pool. It's just raining the whole time. So I would love for it to stop doing that. 
Well, thanks for raining on nice. the parade of this episode, Joey, with ending on a high note. You brought it up. Uh, for, you brought a, it up. for a disgruntled and very angry <laughs> Joey Goldstein. You brought it up, bro. Uh, and despite the anger and the disgruntledness of Joey, uh, I am Ben Gislason. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. And it was still a win. So let's give it two honks. Thank you.